0: on to the next episode of Capital Wasteland. Episode four, I think. Yeah. I think that's what we're at. (laughs) Episode four. Where we dig into sad, depressing stuff and try to make it not depressing.
1: This is why I I record while smoking weed.
0: (laughs) And I, of course, have my gin.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's fucking depressing otherwise, man.
0: Gotta
1: be at least a little buzz. Yeah. It's the only way I can get through this. But if
0: you're driving, please please don't do that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, unless you're smoking then you can fly. Literally, that was a was a real thing when I was a kid.
0: What?
1: Uh Why drink and drive when you can smoke and fly? And I'm like, how are you flying? This is what I want to know. And, yeah, I've never gotten an answer. It, it's just a stupid thing teenage boys say, I guess. And I say teenage boys specifically because I never heard a girl say it. It was always idiot boys. I'm like, why drink and drive when you smoke and fly? Shut the fuck up. Anyway, sorry. What are we talking about today, Helena? Something pleasant and wonderful and <laughs> full of sunshine
0: and rainbows? <laughs> you know the is no, but hopefully it'll be at least, you know, an idea of like how people are trying to address certain things. So hopefully less depressing, but, um, so we're going to talk about a, a bit about extended producer responsibility, which we kind of touched on a little bit and started talking about in the last episode, but it digs into a lot of other things less related to recycling. Um And I think it's going to take, honestly, a full session to talk about that and a couple of related topics. So we're going to dig into extended producer responsibility. So if you hear me talk about EPR, that's what I'm talking about. So
1: no, nothing sunshine, nothing Well, here's the thing
0: is EPR is a potential – I guess part of a potential solution for the problem. I don't think it's going to solve everything, but I think it will – I
1: don't think it will solve anything. You're like, let's make those companies who have spent obscene amounts of money – to lie to people about recycling and environmental issues (laughs) and just make them do it as if they're going to
0: well a lot of it's gonna that's why it kind of comes down to legislation a lot of companies are going to be kind of forced to do it um you're finding more and more states here and there are starting to have epr programs being passed and um sometimes that's just something as simple as you know an epr program like they might have to report however much they make and what they produce and then maybe it's a matter of um you know providing a certain amount of funding towards waste or recycling organizations or um providing certain amount of funds to the state or being part of certain committees like there's a lot of different ways it can be implemented um i'll be honest i don't like reading the boring legal stuff (laughs) so I can't even tell you like very, very specifics of even the one that they are starting to work on in Oregon, but um, they are in the works in Oregon, as well as a few other States for EPR programs, which like I said, it's basically going to free up a lot of extra funding to try and find. One more more
1: time. What is EPR? You've been saying those EPR, EPR, EPR. (laughs) And I just want to verify everyone knows what EPR is.
0: Extended producer responsibility.
1: Extended producer responsibility. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: But you know the the idea is that through placing a lot of the responsibility on them, there's going to be probably a few different things that we see. The first more propaganda is potentially, but it's more like more more funds are likely to become available for companies to start recycling programs, continue recycling programs, finding new markets, stuff like that. Sometimes part of it requires them to have a certain amount of recyclable content in their packaging. Um, Though those are usually separate laws. Um, Sometimes it could be them doing kind of more cleanup acts in some way. So if there's been an area where they've historically kind of polluted a lot, they might be told like, "Hey, you know, you kind of have to fix a lot of this." Um,
1: Man, Nestle will go <laughs> bankrupt trying to fix all the shit they've done,
0: <laughs> and and stuff like that. But it primarily has not to defamation do with, if it's true. <laughs> but it primarily has to do with the kind of disposal or recycling of the goods after they're gone. So. What I started getting into a little bit in the last session was, you know, if we use the example of a car, you know, once the car dies or is in a wreck or whatever happens to where it is no longer functionable, it would fall back on the car company to be the ones to take care of the end of life. Where for now, like, you know, I've tried getting rid of a car before. I didn't know who to contact or what to do or whatever. Kind of sat in our parking lot for a little while before I was like, oh, I think I saw someone with an ad on the sign next to the road that said, you know, call us and we'll remove junk cars. All right, let's do that. You know, but I don't know what happens to that car afterwards. I don't know if they scrap it, if they reuse it for parts. Like, I have literally no idea. It just, it's gone. Yay, problem solved for me, Right. Yeah. But the idea is that, you know, if if you buy a car from a company, you know, most people don't know what to do. Maybe there's no good way to get rid of the car afterwards, or it just sits in a scrapyard for years and years and years till it rusts out. Like you never really know what's going to happen to it. So having them be the ones responsible for the end product is supposed to help in a couple of ways. Like I said, for one, it might create more um, ways in which they can maybe dismantle it and reuse more of the parts, um, which would be great, you yeah. know, cause they'll get more of their stuff back and whatnot. It might lead to, um, like cheaper, just disposal parts. some one that won't be able to be reused. So they'll be able to find ideally good recycling markets for those. Like maybe they'll find a recycling market for the upholstery in the, in the car or the foam or whatever that they use, you know,
1: gross just <laughs> genuinely as someone right? who's been in a lot of cars that, are on their last leg kind of cars. <laughs> um, the one thing out of those cars I definitely do not want is the upholstery. Not only are they almost always out of date yeah. because they're usually changing the old cars, unless you're really being changed yeah. to Your cars they're also well used, and you can't verify where all the stains are from. Yeah, black lights are not those cars' friends.
0: <laughs> But, you know, it's supposed to open that way and you're less likely to have people who you know have junk cars just sitting on their property because they can't afford to dispose of it or they don't know how to dispose of it or something like that. It helps make sure that they meet a better end. But the other idea of how this might kind of change things is it might make companies make things last longer because if they have to pay for the disposal and the recycling or whatever, and they're getting things back really, really fast. And they're like, crap, like we, we can't afford this or we can't handle the influx of it or something like that. And they'd be like, well, you know, how can we make these things last longer?
1: Man, it sounds like we're talking about something specifically. Exactly. I, man, I can't imagine <laughs> what we're talking about at all.
0: So this brings us into a topic that's very, I guess, kind of related to EPR, which is planned obsolescence or, you know, things becoming obsolete intentionally. Um, one very good example of this is actually iPhones or Apple products. You know, if you think about having an older Apple product and suddenly things just aren't working as well, maybe you can't update certain apps or you can't make a lot of changes to make it properly function. That technically falls under planned obsolescence because you know, it is becoming obsolete intentionally. Like they could find some way like in theory. To make things work longer or kind of work continuously, Mm -hmm. you know. But instead of like you know what, talk. (laughs) But instead of like you know what, no, this model's too old. You know, we're just not going to bother. You know, having them be able to do this or that or putting in the work for it. And next thing you know, people are like going in and they're upgrading their phone and they're spending more money and and all of this stuff. So it ends up being beneficial to them for the product to become obsolete.
1: Yeah. So. I want to jump in here because this is one of my favorite topics. Um, I wanted to make sure I I got things right. So I Googled real quick. Um, And this is from 2021. I'm sorry. This was posted in 2022, but it says, In January last year, a class action lawsuit filed in Italy sought nearly $73 million in compensation for owners of iPhone 6, 6 Plus, 6S, and 6S Plus models sold in the country between 2014 and 2020. Earlier, similar lawsuits were filed in Belgium and uh, Spain. And why were they being filed? Oh, because they were literally secretly throttling Mm -hmm. the ability that you could do on that phone to make you buy a new phone. Um, Just literally, like this is from the L.A. Times, CNN. It literally is talking about how Apple is being sued over iPhones wearing out too quickly, and it's not like this is like your product is so shitty. It's literally you are making your product so shitty. You are doing this on purpose. And
0: often the product isn't even necessarily shitty. It's just that they won't keep supporting. That's what it. I mean. It's like it, there's yeah.
1: nothing wrong with the product. Yeah. That's not entirely true. Everything's wrong with the iPhone. <laughs> um, but like it, it's not just that there's something like, or that there is something wrong with the product at yeah. all. It's that they are sending updates that make it break. They are like, like literally secretly throttling what you can do on this thing, trying to force you to go buy a new phone, which these phones are like, correct me if I'm wrong, I can't remember exactly what's in them, but like there is a very finite amount of this material in the world. And like, this is what charges our computers and our phones and all of this shit. Like this is, this is a made of part of these and you are forcing people to, get rid of their old phones so you can sell them new ones using more of this stuff. It, it, that's first part of, of
0: why they also often have programs like, Oh, if bring us back your phone. You'll get X amount back. Or
1: that's a great whatever. fucking idea. Yeah. Like also your phones are too, they make sense of you assholes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, like it literally is there. They're, they're be almost constantly being sued for
0: this. And that's, I think part of why I'm pretty sure a recent piece of um, law that passed was the requirement that people be allowed to repair their own iPhones.
1: That actually is not just an iPhone. Yeah.
0: So that, that basically changed. So, mainly brought to Apple products, but in um, general,
1: while I was working for a certain video game company um, and we're just going to call them the big three. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't talk about who they are. No. 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 So for game consoles specifically, uh, one of the issues we were, we ran into is essentially that while you're talking about, it, it's not actually just about Apple. So the big three, basically, I feel like I'm talking about anime, but the big three, <laughs> Um, When they did uh, Repairs and stuff Essentially they counted anything If you took apart that system You had modified that system We can't do anything with it mm-hmm. That was the attitude And that attitude is still there Do not get me wrong You cannot open your system and mod it You know what I mean And then expect the company to help you in any yeah. way However the issue was The repair costs Right mm-hmm. And For again, I'm not going to mention names, but for the company I work for, out of the big three, um, they actually repaired it at cost. They weren't making money from anything. If anything, they were losing money on this. You know what I mean? And that was to to be able to repair the systems, the remotes, um, stuff like that. Like everything could could be done, but it was all at 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 cost. Unfortunately, you know what I mean. So it you know cost X money. It was because that's how much it costs us to do that. Um, but the thing was, if you took it apart, you, we wouldn't we wouldn't touch it, and that was that was universal to all, all three. If you took it apart, no one would touch it. And so now, what the new law states is, no, you cannot do that. Yes, if it's modded, if they have changed what you made, like you know,
0: change the software, or you've
1: changed software. You're, they're cheating or whatever they're doing with their system that that counts as a mod. Sure, whatever. However, if all they did was take it apart, trying to fix it because something went wrong with it, you cannot use that as an excuse to not try to repair. it. Like
0: if they try to repair their own screen or like yeah, a case like or something like, like
1: that. Yeah, something like a, a screen or something like um, a controller, like the uh, you know all of them have joysticks. Um, and like if you try to replace the joystick or like you yeah. know what I mean, like and when I say replace, I mean actually replace, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and repair, not replace it with something that. Something weird, you know. If you're you just try to repair it and you don't know what you're doing, or you're just like, okay, I, I'm lost, and you send yeah. it in. That is okay. That is essentially what this law was doing. And the only reason I know that is because I was working for the company at the time, and uh, that was a, a major change in what you yeah know, what we we did. Because for us, it was basically like when people would mention like, oh yeah, I took it apart, and like I can't set up to repair there that's considered modified. Yeah, and. Like, it, it was also a thing, like, is when they we, they wouldn't mention it. Like, it's not something you mention in a conversation. When we get to the repair facility, they'd open up the system, see that it was opened up once before, and they're like, our seal's broke. We can't do anything. Um, stuff like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and we got rid of that. Right? I really like it. I think it's a really cool aspect because I often yeah. repair my own stuff. Um, but anyway, yeah. And so. how it
0: ties into EPR is, like, like you know, if you end up, having to spend an insane amount because only the company can fix something. I wouldn't say and it's an insane amount. It to, well, depending on the company. You know, if you're talking about like a MacBook or something, like it might be a really expensive repair. That's because
1: know? the only people who make products for Apple is Apple.
0: Exactly. But also, and then they charge
1: up the Yahoo exactly. for so their
0: oftentimes if, good
1: and not mediocre products at all.
0: <laughs> but often it becomes ends up becoming a case where, you know, the cost to just buy a new one, is cheaper than repairing it. We see that sometimes with, like, washing machines or dryers. Yeah. Like, my parents once had a washing machine that was, you know, it was a decent amount of age, but it wasn't,
1: like... That's only an issue with Apple. With PC, (laughs) you can just be like, oh, they want this price for this product, but I can get the same product from this company for literally a fraction of the cost. I'm just going to go with that product. You can't use that with
0: Apple. But that's also why I decided, like, bring it to a different product. So we're going to talk about washing machines. (laughs) Fuck (laughs) that. It's growing up like my parents had a washing machine and something happened with it eventually. You know, it wasn't necessarily an old, old one, but it was, you know, at least a few years old, you know. And my dad was like, okay, well, you know, I'll try and DIY this because that's his thing. Like he can do it, you know.
1: I have seen that man (laughs) put in an alternator and I was literally like, do you know what you're doing? And he literally looked me in the eye and went, nope. And right. went back to what he was doing, I was like...
0: But his idea is he'll figure it out. So he does all the research, all I don't, like, stuff. I want to point out the
1: alternator ended badly. <laughs> like, your sister almost got into an accident because it was... They literally looked at him like the alternator was
0: upside down. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, talking about the washing machine, he wound up finding that the part to, re- like, repair it was really expensive, and there's no reason for it to be expensive. You know, it might have been, like, just a little piece of plastic, you know, or, like, a specific little piece of metal. Nothing that should warrant it being a few hundred dollars. But instead he was like, you know what? This is, it's cheaper for me just to go buy a new one. So what did we have to do with the washing machine? We had to get rid of it. And things like washing machines, they usually can be sent to like a metal scrap place at least. So the metal can be reused. But it still gets to the point where you have to buy a whole new product now. Yeah. You know? rather than just sticking with what you had before or being able to repair. Like, if you think about in the past, you know, there were a lot of repair shops for a lot of things. Like you might have tailors who could repair your shirts or your pants for you. You might have shoemakers who could be like, oh, your sole's falling off of your shoe. Here, let me fix that. And
1: another issue also is like our current shoes that are actually not possible for exactly. how the shoe is made.
0: Yeah. Or they're made with different materials now, you yeah. know? And... um, not only is that getting rid of an entire market, you know, like a whole like group of people who could be employed in other ways, we're you know kind of forced to have to buy new products in order to.
1: Are you saying somehow as Planned consumers, <laughs> capitalism is forcing its bullshit down our throats?
0: Yeah, exactly, and it, it kind of sucks. And, kind of right, and that's part of where you know. Laws like, you know, right to repair laws come in where, you know, suddenly people need to be allowed to repair their own stuff. So It like, still
1: sometimes sounds anti-union. Yeah. You know, right to repair, right to work. <laughs> right to repair. Great law. Right to work. A terrible and even law. even if
0: they have the right to repair, it doesn't mean, again, that it's going to be cheaper. So that's part of where EPR can kind of come in as like a decent option, like... You know, okay, well you sold me this, this MacBook or washing machine or whatever, and you know, it's five years later, it doesn't work anymore. This is your job now. It, it might eventually force them to be like, all right, fine, we'll bring down the cost of our parts or fine, we'll we'll stop having this issue, you know. Like it's it is a little bit idealized in a lot of ways. Like it seems like it'll be like this magic fix when it's not going to be. But it's a step in the right direction, and it's a step in bringing responsibility back to people who are causing a lot of these problems. And I feel like APR is kind of the start, to be honest. Um, I feel like as it expands, it might end up kind of going into other things, into other ways of kind of, I guess, bringing responsibility to the problems that they're causing to the producers. And I feel like, too, it might be a good way to end up eventually making more markets for recycling products, you know? Because not just will there be the potential for more funding, but um, you have products where maybe they'll start to increase the recyclability of it because it might be cheaper in some ways for them to recycle than it is for them to dispose of it. But usually, that's actually not the case. Unfortunately, like, we're seeing that issue, for example, with solar panels. I think I mentioned this before, but it's a lot cheaper just to throw away an old used solar panel than it is to recycle it. And that's partially because we don't have the ability or the infrastructure or the funds or anything. It's a lot more expensive and there's just not as many people who take them right now. So, you know, with EPR, like, maybe we will be able to have more of those. It's not just
1: that either. What I think is really interesting is because I think oftentimes when people hear the words go solar and stuff, they think it's like a very much a force. Everyone should go solar. And the thing is that I think needs to enter that conversation for some people, It's not possible. It's not possible for everyone to go solar. So, one of the things I learned, I very, very, very briefly um, worked for an unethical solar company um, who uses some interesting sales tactics. And yeah. uh, Let's
0: just say they kind of marked up the product unnecessarily. Like, they do have to cover the expenses for their people, but the amount that they were charging them. To cover. Yeah. To like it, it just
1: genuinely themselves. doesn't make ethical sense. I understand especially profit. I Yeah. Especially
0: because there's ways for them to kind of get more from the customer.
1: Yeah. Um, it's. It's gross. So if you ever get like someone coming to your door for solar.
0: Look them up first.
1: Uh, not just that. But when that second conversation comes, if that price seems obscene, remember the price is only the price, Right. And then you're getting a loan on top of it. They're making money off the loan. They're they're taking the part of the loan that you're getting for the solar, and they're they're just that to their workers. Like that is how yeah. they make their commission. It's through the loan. Just want to point might this be out.
0: Some companies which are not as unethical. This is just yeah.
1: Just one. just again, if they're going door to door, do what I said. <laughs> but anyway, uh, while I was talking to them, one of the things we you know one of the things I was learning was don't knock on some doors. Now, obviously, I think some of this is a bit classist. Uh, some of the reasoning was, look at that shitty old fence that they have. That door's hanging off. There's gar- like it, it looks a little real trashy. Like, they probably don't have any money. Like That was one I didn't particularly like because I was like, um, I was thinking how good it looked, man, because I don't have any money and I've lived in some shitty places. But all right, sure. Um, yeah, let's just be mean to what looks poor imagine what you do when you go there for anyway. Um, the other thing was, uh, where, like if your house is surrounded by trees, that was another one. Like you just don't ask, like we, the, the trees are in the way. So unless they're willing to yeah. cut out most, if not all those trees, that's not going to work. Or, uh, Oh, like, look, see how this, this place is like facing North, you know, in this area, we wanted to be facing South South's where they're going to get most of the sun in this area. So like North is just genuinely not going to be good. Uh, if you have a lot of vents or like your roof has like pieces, you know what I mean? Like what, like, you know, those windows coming out of the roof that have yeah. their own little roof, like those kind of things. Those are also a no because there's not enough room for solar panels to do anything worth something for them for the price and stuff
0: like yeah. that.
1: Like it, it just, just, there's won't. a
0: lot of factors.
1: There's a lot of weird factors that like, like, keep in mind, like I was one of the people just, just, going to door to door and like knocking on doors, asking people about solar. Not that I ever did that. Um, I was supposed to, I was just learning. And like, these are the things that we were being taught. Like, yeah, you don't want to do this because yeah. the person who's going to come in to close that deal is going to take one look at that roof. and like, sorry, you're not going to be able to do it. we're going to all look that we're going to look like fucking idiots. Yeah. And, you know, um, it makes the company look bad, blah, blah, blah. And I get it to an extent cool with conning people. Just, you know, not looking bad that you know we offered you something you <laughs> can have. Uh, but yeah, that is, it is a factor that I, I don't think we really talk about. It's like, yes, you should go solar if you can. But and then on the other, like as you were saying, the other parts of this is also is even if you do go solar, those are not permanent. Like yeah. they are going to break down, like as everything does. Yeah. And they're, what do you do when they're broken down?
0: I think one good example of how a company does well by this is. I don't remember exactly when they were established, but it's actually a carpeting company. And they do a lot of carpeting specifically for, you know, bigger businesses and stuff like that. And what they do is their carpet comes kind of in tiles. So picture maybe like a three foot by three foot section of carpet, right? And you put these in the building and you say, yep, use this. But when it wears out, contact us. And what they do is they take the tiles back that have gone bad at this point or they'll replace a whole section like maybe a room or whatever it might be necessary to make it work for a business. You know, they'll find ways to reuse the fibers, all that stuff. But since it's in tiles, you don't always have to replace the entire carpet. Yeah. You know, like there are ways to make it work and since they take the materials back, they make sure they can also recycle and reuse them. Mm-hmm. I don't know what company it is, I wish I did, so I'd be like, shout out to them. Good job kind of thing. But you know, there are companies that do try to do it right, including solar companies and whatnot, but...
1: Yeah, there are not- actually solar companies are doing similar things. Yeah. Solar, breaking them into little exactly. tiny families. We also
0: think for the carpeting company, it also means they're spending less materials sometimes on fresh materials and mm-hmm. fresh virgin stuff.
1: Also with the solar is like with that issue of like the roof is in patches and it's not big enough. and yeah. we can do it, so where we can make a solar panel like yay big, like in pieces we can. By yay better...
0: big, he's showing something small. He can't see it, but he's using his hands to illustrate something by like a three by three square.
1: Yeah. Well, like, you know what I mean though? Like these yeah. little squares and then you can level them to different shaped houses. Cause you'll have that freedom too. Like again, yeah. it's just, I don't know.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of things which I think will also change like as things develop over time. Like I think there's some people who are even trying to develop like roofs that are solar, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like a lot of really cool stuff that they're. Do they, don't to they have out. a building that is
1: that a building they, that's made entirely out there's of solar a whole panels?
0: Company that's actually developing solar roofs. Like, I don't mean I don't roofs. Know. I mean like
1: there's. A, I swear, Probably. there's an entire building that is literally
0: the well, building also, itself is solar. There's also ideas of like you know passive solar houses. Um, yeah. Where it's not necessarily solar, but a lot of the healing, healing the heating and cooling. Is done all just naturally by the sun and the shade and stuff like that. Like it's actually really cool and yeah. intentional design. And I think that's something that a lot of buildings should be employing. But some areas maybe they don't have the right ideal like lot for that, and that's just kind of what it is, you know? Or they but, don't care. Or they don't care because it's cheaper to go the other ways usually. Yeah. And that's a lot of the big issues. For You're most. way more
1: optimistic than I am.
0: <laughs> I kind of have to be. Otherwise, I, like I have all this in my brain. So sad all up there and it's like, if I'm not at least a little optimistic, like, uh, it's
1: overwhelming and yeah, yeah. All right.
0: Um, but you know, as, as technologies develop and as companies build and grow and realize like, Oh, you know, this is actually a good, good outlet. You know, this is a, a good source of income now for us, you know, or it cuts costs this way or that way. Again, some of that won't happen until certain things are made, or maybe new facilities are generated, or new ways of breaking materials down happen. But you know, scientists are working on that all the time. Like, you you can constantly just look up plastics, and for example, and you'll see a whole bunch of different types of plastics and new applications and new way of breaking them down that people are coming up with. And it's just a matter at this point of finding one that is economically feasible or able to be done at such a large enough scale to be worth it. Because there's a lot of ones which would be great. You know, they don't take a lot of energy or this or that. Like it's a really promising, but at this point, a lot of them can only be done at tiny little scales. So, um, you no, know, I, I do think that there is a lot of like hope. It's just a matter of freeing up the funding and, um, letting the scientists do what scientists do. And, uh, and, and sometimes kind of forcing, I guess, companies to pay up or shut up kind of thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, anyway, so the idea of EPR is to kind of try to address a lot of client obsolescence. You have any questions at all? Like, I feel like you've been asking them pretty well, but
1: yeah, no, I yeah. it, 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 it seems pretty sense. straightforward. Yeah. Essentially. Um, we're not the problem. We should. We are the problem because we don't have an (laughs) appetite—an appetite to eat the fucking rich.
0: But you know, and yeah, and and that's that's kind of the thing. Is like so many companies have put a lot of work into placing the environmental blame on the individual. Yeah, and it's honestly a pet peeve of mine at this point because I'm.
1: Well, it's 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 literally the attitude. Uh, It's it's a very similar attitude to to me to like, Oh, well, if you have nothing to hide, what does it matter? Like, yeah, what? No, no, that's not how this works. Like, it's not how this works at all. It's a very similar attitude. It's like, I, I don't have to give like my information, you know, at all. Like I, this is weird that you're trying to force me, like guilt trip me into yeah. this. This is a very much the same idea as like when it's environmental shit, like we should, we should just recycle bitch. Recycling only going to help so much while you're making more and more plastics that's going to be burning and fucking going into the goddamn air. Like, yeah. that's not on me. I can recycle all I want and nothing will ever <laughs> touch that. Like, I could literally cycle every day. Every, everyone in the U.S., right, in the world could just start recycling. Yeah. And if these corporations do not also get on board, mm-hmm. it won't make a difference.
0: Exactly. Especially because, like I said, a lot of recycling programs also are very energy intensive yeah. you know so like yeah it's better that it's going back into
1: Could stream, solar help that
0: probably yeah because i mean you're at least finding so we can do like better... two
1: birds one stone
0: <laughs> a little bit like i think it'll at least definitely be a good step in the right direction like i still think reducing the consumption is the best bet Yeah, obviously. but you know if you're gonna have to recycle something which we're going to have to like that's just how everything is structured at this point you know, I would at least like to see that the energy being used is good. So, you know, go nuclear, go solar, go wind, you know, but um, right now it's just kind of a pipeline of gas and oil companies supplying both the plastics and the energy. So, yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, So this is all well and good, right? That these companies like I'm making said product. So I must take it, responsibility for said product when it's time to take care of that product it's it's at the end of its life that's all well and good but i have the question okay how does that work for oil companies though i want to point out the very reason i'm asking specifically about oil companies is not because they the product is used and it can no longer be used again because it's well gone it's that these are the people who have actively actively put millions and millions of dollars to put propaganda and anti-environmentalist stuff for decades. Mm-hmm. For decades there's a there's a great interview of um uh with John Stewart. Give me one second. So yeah there's this great interview with uh, John Stewart and uh I kind to look it up and it's with the CEO of Shell. And the thing is the re- reason I'm specifically asking with oil companies is because he makes this really funny comment, uh, not John Stewart. Uh, the CEO of Shell says we're not actively fighting against, you know, these mandates that the government wants to put and uh, environmental stuff. He claims that they're not fighting these mandates and whatnot. And like these ideas of eventually stopping being a dick and destroying the planet uh, for the sake of profit. And like, let's move to something else and whatnot. He's saying Shell is trying to help with these things, you know. Uh, Helena, what is your uh, what is your thoughts on this?
0: I think there's a few. For one, I think the truth lies in following the money.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, that's the other thing. And he says like, oh, well, the reason we didn't do it before is because no one cared before. And like yeah. that—that's not true. Like I remember when I was in high school, which is. 15 years ago, 17 years ago now. Okay. I was in high school and they were making us read papers that were written in the fifties. This is only in like the mid two thousands. And they were, they were, I was reading papers in the fifties. I was basically like, Hey, they didn't have a word for it at the time, yeah. but what they're describing is greenhouse gases and all this other shit. It's like, this is going in the, this is going to be bad. Yeah. We need to do something for, about this. And Helena, what did did all these oil companies, including Shell, do about that?
0: Uh, Hit it, (laughs) pretty much.
1: You mean they are
0: hiding shit? I'm going to be like mildly annoyed for a second, but I don't think it helps. Given when a lot of this research started coming out that the person who found out about greenhouse gases was a woman.
1: I'm pretty sure we're talking about the same paper then because it was written by a woman.
0: I don't know if I've read the exact paper, but it's um, it's. I've looked I, from I what I
1: remember being yeah. told about it. Like if you gave it to me, I could probably be you know, like, "Yes, this is it." Yeah. But no, it was was like, this was supposed to be like this huge thing back in the fifties. Like it was this a massive discovery, and like, like this paper was like, it really what sets things mm-hmm. off and looks into this. And yeah, it was written one hundred percent by a woman.
0: Yeah, and um, so I don't. Like, unfortunately, I don't I'm think to look that, that up. helped. But, if uh, I
1: can, if I can find the paper, uh, can if you remind me, uh, well, if I can find the paper, I'm gonna find it and yeah. try to put it, uh, a link to it in the description yeah. so people can see it. Like, no, oh, this is really from the
0: 1950s. Yeah, and and there are actually a lot of like lawsuits, and I think there's a couple documentaries you can watch about this too, and do live on the podcast and whatnot. But it's basically that a lot of these companies knew, but you Know it was profitable and in a lot of ways, like our infrastructure became built around these things. So then you're saying, Well, you know, you, you don't want to like reveal necessarily that these things are bad or that they'll cause issues,
1: except for if multiple we had, reasons, <laughs> except for the fact if, if we, we had, had, we
0: could have tried to find a solution sooner.
1: Yeah, we could have found a solution over the course of the last yeah. 50, 60, 70 right. years. And yeah. not been in this point, like, no, our infrastructure is literally required for this. And there's, like, yeah. changing it would be insane. We could have easily done it over the course of 70 mm-hmm. years. And now we have about 10 to 30. Kind
0: of like, I don't remember who it was, but I remember you mentioning once about this guy who found a way to have a car that was not powered by...
1: Yeah, so, um, okay, I know this is a real fun stoner story. Um, the story goes, there's... It, I. I might be getting my facts wrong. Um, it's been a few years since you
0: talked about Yeah, it.
1: but essentially it's, a, it's this old, old wives tale, like that stoner say, you know, to their, their buddies, like an old stoner tale, if you will. Um, and it's a really funny and it sounds like so, like, 60s, like the government's out to get us, man, kind of moments. And basically the idea is that this guy creates a car, an engine that runs entirely off, like, vegetable oil. Yeah, and like shit like that, uh, I have often heard it be as water, you know, stuff like that. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but they say his death is a complete accident and whatnot. But he was like his. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm if I'm remembering the right story, he is he dies,
0: mm-hmm. and his research is suddenly gone. No, it's bought. Oh.
1: It is it, a it, patent. Everything was bought. Uh, it's fucking nuts. Yeah. Uh, but like my uh, back to the question originally is like, what about the oil companies? And like, yeah, they're actively them, doing shit
0: exactly, and we're making these other
1: companies deal with their product. Or so what are we doing? Like, how does that one work?
0: Yeah. And this is, I think could be one of the harder things to tackle. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be have to kind of tackle it on multiple fronts for one. the rich. Exactly. I was gonna say a lot of our politicians get a lot of funding from these companies, so they are, you know, kind of encouraged. And
1: I'm gonna one way later. Or I wanna I wanna talk about this again. I know it will come up, but I do want to talk about this because I want to see if there's something like the Iron Triangle, but with uh, gasoline instead Can of.
0: Can you explain
1: what the Iron Triangle is? For? Uh, we gonna be way off topic, but sure. There's this. Uh, some call it the Iron Square. Uh it's originally called the Iron Triangle. It's most often called the military industrial complex. Ah, okay. So essentially how the Iron Triangle works is um the defense industry, uh is what they're called. Uh basically the defense industry is the making of bombs, weapons, vehicles for war, as well as war and like soldiers and like mm-hmm. mercenary companies, essentially. Um Private security is what they're called. <laughs> um, but those guys, like all those, what they'll those companies will do is they will pay like politicians, um, for their campaign donations. Uh, so the one I like to use is Lockheed Martin, which made in like 2018, they made like, uh, 80 something billion dollars. Damn. Yeah. 96% of that came from the U S department of defense.
0: I think this will actually be something we'll probably talk about in a later episode. Like, I'm going to write this down because there's been a lot of stuff, kind of low key in the science world about emissions tied to the military. Um.
1: Well, hold on, hold on. I want to answer your question about the Iron Triangle really quick. Yeah. So basically, you have these defense companies. They'll pay obscene amounts of money. Uh, Donald Trump, for example, got uh, over a uh 40,000. No, no, he got over 100,000. Hillary Clinton got over 40,000. The Republican Party in 2016, as a total, like as all of them, got like over a million point five. Mm-hmm. And I think the Democrats got like a million point one or a million point two. Like they're buying politicians on both sides of the aisle. Oh, yeah And the thing is, so that's the, basically the bottom. You've got the defense on one side, the iron triangle is that iron bar that goes to the other one, which is essentially politicians. And it was going to be Congress and stuff like that. Here's the thing. Congress then not only like elects and puts people into positions to make like defense contracts. Right. So this would be the department of defense. They also give them the budget. Right. So there you got that and you've got all these people paying being paid by the defense department to the people who are making the budget and putting the people in charge of the department of defense and the department of defense then creates war or whatever they do. And that money is being put where to these defense industry companies. This is what the military industrial complex is also nicknamed the iron triangle square. If you include the media, which that would be an entire topic above itself. But I want to know, is there something like the Iron Triangle, very famous for the military-industrial complex, with environmental things uh, like? I would guess so. Yeah,
0: but I'll—I'll I'll be honest. Um, environmental law was never my thing. I—I <laughs> um, I really.
1: I yeah. have a lawyer friend. Maybe I'll ask her some yeah, questions. See I what, see what she has idea. to say, though. going
0: to be the most knowledgeable
1: on that. She thing. will also probably say the same. She's like,
0: eh, environmental yeah, law yeah. was never my thing. But I do know that, you know, a lot of money goes to politicians. Like, if you look at Project 2025, for example, for the Conservative Party, right? Um, literally, all I did was I read their, like, brief like intro-type thing that was kind of talking about what's going to be in it, and one thing that they very strongly talked about was finding American kind of like financial independence and security and blah, blah, blah through extra oil and gas exports. So
1: Those the people literally who make the, like, debt go up by obscene amounts of money <laughs> every time.
0: But, like, literally that's what they want to do is they want to, like, funnel a whole bunch of stuff into the I like how you use the oil. word funnel. <laughs> In order to cut, like to increase oil and gas and the exports of that and whatnot. And use that both to kind of, I think they see it as a way of like maintaining security from China kind of crap.
1: They are really on the China thing again. (laughs) They
0: really are. Like literally, if you read it, they're essentially talking about starting a war. Like literally, if you read it, they are talking about increasing funding to militaries and whatnot, but they are essentially saying they're going to start a war with China and the communist party. Um, like, like literally almost word for word, that's what they're saying. And um but but in particular they also really want to bump up oil production and gas production and basically make it so that laws don't need to include or I genuinely won't think include... this
1: is because we haven't actually fought any red scares in about thirty years. <laughs> you no, know, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Throughout the history of the US, particularly the last hundred years, there has been a lot of propaganda that Communism is bad, but then as you like get further and further away from the Red Scare, which essentially ends with the Soviet Union. You know, in nineteen ninety-one, over thirty years ago now, you have no one remembering that Red Scare now, right? Except for these older crazy people, right? And I, I say crazy because they're old and should not be in Congress. Mitch McConnell, um, anyway. Um, so what you have is you have all these like old people that remember, but none of the young people do. And so young people are now starting to learn about communism. But one thing things that the young people are, they're basically sponges. So they keep absorbing all the stuff and they realize, wait, we could own the means of production and that would better our lives and the lives of everyone around us. Like, 100% 100% like and now suddenly conservatives really want to fight a war with China because
0: nothing unites people like war does Yeah, if you also own the media
1: yeah. <laughs> and like no, I, I just think it's another way to put propaganda and I'm like I'm not saying communism is like this perfect answer or anything that it's it's so much better though I do believe it is like at the very least some of these ideas could be good and now we're gonna start we're getting to politics now
0: yeah but, um but anyway, kind of going back to their project 2022 they also want to make it so that you know when you're doing like laws and stuff it it ghgs are not a factor so greenhouse gas emissions are not a factor so like for example like they constantly go back to like things with california this and california that who are pioneers yeah because it's, it's a
1: it's a word that makes conservatives like it, it they've literally been yeah so taught what they're too, saying that is word's bad
0: yeah so what they're basically saying is you can't take you know, example from like places like California and apply those legislations to your area if the reasoning for is greenhouse gas emissions is essentially what they're saying. And like we can spend ages talking about this kind of thing. But the point is, if you follow the money. A lot of the idea behind Project 2025 is and like the, those companies and stuff are funded by one of the Koch brothers. One of them, has, because the
1: other one's dead.
0: Exactly. Who owns a ton of things related to so, gas.
1: So speaking of environmental so, stuff and the Koch <laughs> brothers, let's. Uh, I just want to make sure this topic is mentioned. So there's actually this great study uh, that was done. Uh, basically, this these two, let's call them brothers, uh, are like obscenely rich, and they really don't like climate change. You know, they're like, this is garbage. No way. I'm gonna hire a bunch of environmental scientists who do who agree with me that this is probably bullshit, right? There's a bunch of scientists. I don't know if they're all environmental.
0: And they're gonna prove this they're, they're doesn't exist. This
1: doesn't exist and it's complete bullshit. And you wanna know what that that thing starts with? This first sentence of that literally says, Well, when we started this, I was against the idea. But now that I have done the research, I've done the studies, I can say no, they are absolutely right. Mm -hmm. this is hit man-made we need to do something we cannot disprove this there was two the same brothers buried that so no one could find it and they're the ones who funded it and their names yeah they're the coke brothers the coke brothers are just the most sleazy people yeah like like shitty
0: everything in the name of money Yeah. yeah
1: yeah like how much do you need
0: right yeah, and then you factor in how much they spend on, you know, like said, hiding the information, and then doing anti-campaigns, like basically saying all oh, these people are net jobs, and this isn't true, even though they know it's true, you know, uh, and then you add in the fact that they fund so many politicians, so not only do a lot of these people own a lot of the media, so I guess this kind of does go back to a form of the Iron Triangle, you yeah. know? you've got a lot of um, politicians who are funded by it who make all the decisions yeah, and green light, a bunch of projects.
1: That's and the reason we the call media, it. Um, <laughs> so, all right, I will go in a little bit more. So the reason people want to bring it from iron triangle, to Iron square. And I say people, it's just people okay. like me on the internet who like talk about it. Um, but so the reason we want to triangle and square is there's a second piece essentially. So the, what's it called? The defense industry pays the politicians to get elected. uh, Those make the Department of Defense's budget. And the Department of Defense then, of course, pays the defense industry for defense, right? Pretty simple. Except when you understand that both the defense industry pays media, right? Sounds to me
0: more like it's a pyramid.
1: Well, hold on. They also pay the media, and so do the fucking Department of Defense. And, like, they the same people who are making the laws and stuff also help control the media and stuff like yeah. that. And like,
0: is I say most of the media controlled by like one company or like a specific company?
1: Uh, like I haven't it? checked in a while, but originally it was eight. I uh, know it was six and now it's down to four. They, I believe, I know one of them is Disney. Uh, the other is, uh, like, um, is it's, Blackrock? No, Blackrock is a shitty, uh, investment company. They just own like everything. <laughs> uh, i not joking. They literally own like a piece of everything. Every company we've owned, I, we've talked about, I'm pretty sure they own a piece of Like of literally course. like they're, it's insane. But anyway, no, it's uh, it's, it's just these four companies and they, they control like 95% of the media that you see on TV, radio, newspaper, all of it. Uh, movies, TV shows, commercials. Like they own like 95%, it's broken up between four companies. Uh, That number is changing a little bit because media and like in the internet really took off and that's great and everything but at the same time like that's still genuinely concerning when you realize that most major news outlets uh, are either and that includes some of the more independent ones are either funded or directly owned by four companies. Yeah. It means you basically get to control that narrative. And so that's why people want to make it into a square, because that is a very important deal. Yeah. I do agree a little bit about the pyramid, maybe more of a trapezoid considering. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's backed up. But yeah, no, the meteor also does do the military industrial complex. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. about the military industrial complex.
0: <laughs> but anyways, it becomes kind of like a feedback loop where, you know, just like I said, follow the money. And that's where I think you'll find where a lot of true intentions lie so they might not very openly oppose climate progression for example and they might even like do like a pat on the back thing like oh, like, oh yeah at least we supported this you know but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are making the best moves like for example maybe there's better legislation that was attempted which didn't go through maybe because of who they funded or something like that Yeah. Um so I think like I said just Follow the spiders, you know, (laughs) Um, it'll, it'll lead you to the truth. But um, yeah, I honestly think that's, that's kind of the case is, but there's also an issue too, is like if you look at a lot of the marketing lately related to gas and oil production and whatnot, it's become very, very greenwashed. It's very much. I like that
1: you said that because literally when you were saying that I was thinking about one, I can't remember what it was for, but I was on YouTube. And I was seeing it, and it was Oregon. I think it was a pipeline. You remember the yeah, pipeline? A pipeline? And it was gorgeous. I love that commercial. It's a, a great – all of them. There's like, seven of them. And they were very pretty. They showed the Oregon, like, thing. And like, this is going to be great for the – like, literally saying the words. Yeah. This pipeline will be great for the environment. Blah, blah, blah. And, like, it's showing this greenery. And I was like, this looks like something that is from an environmental activist. Like, hey, yeah. we need to do this. And it's an oil company telling us to do the opposite.
0: Exactly. Like greenwash or, is such a
1: perfect fucking way to put it.
0: Or it's often a case where, you know, their marketing might show. Oh, we, we are doing this one great thing. But then they don't talk about the 10 bad things that they do for the environment.
1: No. Or they'll uh, they'll in the commercial. One of those commercials. They are like, yeah, you know, I heard it was bad. I'm like, Oh, what was wrong with it?
0: Right. They're and, not going to talk about
1: that. And no, that's no, green- that's in the commercial. Yeah. They were like, so one of the uh, the actors in it was like, oh, you know, I heard the pipeline was bad, and the guy who's talking about the pipeline, like how great it is, is like, oh well, what did they say? What was wrong with it exactly? And there's never a response because the guy, like the oil and oil and gas companies, they're the ones making the fucking commercial, yeah. so they're telling all this goddamn shit that is just complete bullshit yeah. and garbage, and it's very much a straw man argument. It's like I don't expect the blue collar person who like works. Construction to be able to tell me why is a pipeline going through this area really bad? What are the potential bad like consequences of this, and why are pipelines genuinely like particularly? And
0: this is also where it comes back to education. That's why it's kind of one of the pillars in a way of environmentalism, I guess, is education
1: and education.
0: Yeah, because like if people don't know what to ask, they don't know what to look for. All they hear is what they're being fed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it kind of brings it back to this advertising is this advertising saying well, this is going to be a great thing it's going to bring
1: yeah and then in the story. advertisement they're like but I heard it was bad and they're like okay well tell me why it's bad and you can't you
0: can't because you don't know what to ask you don't know what to expect they Kind of. this is where you kind of have to rely on you know your representatives to know what to ask or, or your policy makers or your like EPA and stuff like that you expect them to be the ones to have your back on these things because they're the ones who know it or should. Or should know it. But if they're receiving funding from sources and they're like, oh, no, no, no. This is going to be a great pipeline. This will be amazing for our local economy. but like, oh, I elected that person. I, I, I believe them. You know? Yeah. It becomes very much a case of misinformation becoming the local information. Yeah. And I think that's also... You mean
1: good. alternative facts.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, um, it's frustrating because it's another way in which these large companies are skirting responsibility you know they are showing oh we are doing this great thing but again they, they are hiding the fact that they're doing xyz things that are atrocious for the environment or for the locals or whatever it might be um and yeah it's just kind of bad news all around so kind of said, circling it back to your question like you know this guy was claiming that they're not i guess um opposing climate endeavors or whatnot but they're 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 not necessarily supporting
1: them either, or they're doing it more as like a, it's like a lip service. Where Honestly, like, it was like one of the worst interviews I've seen.
0: It was atrocious. Answer. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like I've <laughs> seen him like go after someone like a rabid dog about certain things. And I'm not saying he shouldn't, yeah. he should have in all of those cases. Yet He like bent over backwards to let this dude just get over. Not just that,
0: but like even the guy's answers was like very much circle around. It was very, much it was like, circle
1: around and just so much condescending like attitude. Yeah. I like, like, like we're not,
0: you know (laughs) and it's just it's just a problem and i think it's going to be a case where kind of i guess addressing these companies is going to be a multiple i guess attack kind of that we're going to have to implement whether it's you know taking steps to make sure we all know who's getting funded from where and how or getting big money out of a lot of politics you know or Mm -hmm. whether it's requiring a lot of companies to have extra i guess um maybe environmental reporting or or whatnot like like there's so many different ways we're going to have to address it like that's just the tip of the iceberg you know but um i feel like kind of shifting towards at least more green endeavors is a start um putting things in place like epr i think it's going to be interesting to see how epr ends up impacting those one more time what's epr extended producer responsibility. So circling it back to the beginning of the session yeah. um you know i think it's gonna be interesting because you know the oil and gas companies aren't necessarily always the ones making the plastics or making the final product you know so how will it end up kind of circling back to them or will it circle back to them will it, it all fall on the shoulders of whoever makes xyz product you know
1: is more it only sense. for people who make the product, not people who produce it, it the product?
0: It kind of depends on like who you talk to. Sometimes it's who sells the product. Sometimes it's who makes the product, um, and stuff like that. So I feel
1: like all of those people have different issues that exactly. all need to be addressed. It's not one problem. problem. Yeah, and that's unless for, you're an oil company, then it partially is kind of problem. Kind of has
0: to be ironed out, and I think we'll see a lot more of like kind of long-term effects of it over time. As we see these laws get implemented, mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty sure you're a lot more like European countries have already started to do a lot more of them. So it might be a case where eventually we'll have to kind of look at them and be like, okay, this worked, this didn't work. Because right we're now.
1: so good at that already. I know, right? Um, uh, okay. But,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's kind of like a quick rundown of EPR, you know, plain obsolescence, lessons. And the, the military industrial of, complex. <laughs> right, yeah, all of that. Um, do you have any other questions?
1: Honestly, no, that was kind of like the major question I had was like, just how do oil companies fit into this idea that the, if you produce it, sell it, blah, 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 you need to be responsible to yeah. taking care of it. How the fuck oil companies can fall yeah, in there? Cause they are actively fighting against this every step of the way for mm-hmm. over 70 years now, which yeah. is pretty impressive. And I, I am going to find that. And
0: keep in mind we're also coal should be included in this coal also falls on the same category. So
1: yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to find the, uh, do my best to find that that article from the fifties by that woman that I read it like.
0: So she's literally the person who like realized. Yeah, and we should
1: also get exist. her name. I feel bad we haven't said it.
0: <laughs> I honestly read it like a week or two ago, but I I've, I've never been good at names,
1: so. <laughs> I did not read it a week or two ago. I probably remember the they name of it. I for or two. her
0: on Google. It was really cute. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see Google that. did a whole little tiny thing where they talked about how she discovered greenhouse cast emissions. Oh that's cool. Yeah. yeah, no, I haven't
1: read that since I was literally I think in high school. Yeah. Maybe even before that.
0: Yeah, we we will find her name and we'll put it down there somewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um maybe I'll give her like we'll definitely open up the next one with me knowing what the hell the poor woman's name is. All right, poor lady. Yeah. Uh it could feel bad that we don't know it because, like what so the I'm just bad with
0: next period. So And
1: I read it two decades ago.
0: Yeah. That um, makes
1: you feel old, a little bit. But <laughs> uh, I, I think we're good on this one. Are you, are you yeah, th- I feel like we're good.
0: If you have any questions, be sure to add them down below. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm out.
1: gonna, I'm gonna add the questions. I believe there was a question I wanted to ask. I forgot what it was. I'll have to be listening to this and figure it out what it is. <laughs> um, but I want to take that and I'll, I'll put that question in there. Ask all the questions, or it'll be a generic one, just like. Yeah. And eventually, we'll have an episode where we. Actually, talk about the questions. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. It will be fun. Alright, it's time. Femmin, sign us off. Femmin, sign us off. Fin, fin, sign us off. Really?
0: <laughs> He's sleepy.
1: Okay, I'll take that. That was cute. <laughs>